Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks. So first off, apologies for my croaky voice. I'm dealing with a bad sore throat currently that I'm hoping is not COVID. We'll find out my PCR test results soon enough. But anyways, we know the NBA rumor mill is heating up right now. We've got some juicy Kyrie Irving rumors out there, some Charlotte Hornet trade rumors have resurfaced, and pretty much all the fun smokescreen leverage madness that you can typically expect this time of the year leading up to the NBA draft. And if you haven't yet done so, make sure to check out our previous episode, number 421, Draft Capital Punishment, where Tommy Allen and I break down our favorite prospects in the late second round slash undrafted free agency class of this year's NBA draft, as well as predict which second round pick we think the Lakers will trade for. Outside of that, make sure to also check out episode number 420, Lowering the Bargain, with Hoops Hype salary guru, Yazi Goslin for all of your free agency minutiae needs. If you had listened to that episode, you wouldn't have been one bit surprised that PJ Tucker ended up opting out of his player option. But anyways, yes, make sure to check those two episodes out. Now, as it pertains to the following episode you're about to hear, consider this one a bonus just for fun episode that you should kind of take with a grain of salt. Because... We actually recorded this episode about a week or two ago, and some of our market valuations for players have changed, and some recent NBA rumors and transactions and happenings have also impacted some of the players we discussed in this episode, although not too much. So what we'd advise you to do if you hear a name that doesn't sound realistic is to focus on that player's templates and skills instead. But yeah, we just wanted to put that caveat out there, lest people call us out for being super unrealistic and out of touch about these things. So yeah, with that said, before any Shams or Woj bomb makes this previously recorded episode look even more obsolete with the fast-paced NBA happenings of Twitterland, we just wanted to push this episode out to you guys as an extra way to pass the time before all of the draft day fireworks commence. Don't forget to send us your own seven-man free agency roster builds for the Lakers via a five-star Apple podcast rating and review. I've loved assessing and analyzing the rosters you guys have been sending our way. So yeah, keep doing that. And yeah, that long-ass intro aside, please enjoy this Fantasy GM roster build time with yours truly. And now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's off-season pandemonium time in the NBA. And as far as the Lakers are concerned, the buck stops here. In more ways than one. One, Coach Darvin Ham is literally no longer a buck. And then number two, the Lakers only have a buck to work with in free agency this offseason. And that's likely going to stop them from doing a lot of things they want to do to fill out more than half of their roster. But you know what? We are going to free agency prognosticate away anyway with those single dollar bills and go to work fantasy GMing some very rose-colored, idyllic roster bills for your Los Angeles Lakers. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I am joined by a special guest, recurring friend of the podcast, McDonald's mogul, 30-plus Lakers season ticket holder, my best friend, Mr. Andy Chang. And today we're going to be putting our fantasy GM hats on and constructing slash predicting some different free agent roster builds for your Los Angeles Lakers. Andy, welcome back to the show. Before I forget and before we dive into things, what is McDonald's special summer offering of the season? Do you guys have a special going on right now? Right now, I 
Nothing that I can disclose at this point. <laughs> oh, sources <yet>. say. <laughs> sources say. No, but um, let me see. What can I tell you? I guess I can tell you the Happy Meal toys because I get them every single day for my kids. We got the the what do you call it? The Disneyland, Disney World um, rides and theme parks. If if you are a a Disney fanatic. Make sure to get a Happy Meal uh, because we're you can collect all of the theme park rides. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, known to man, basically. There you go. That's a good tidbit. All right, Andy. Well, let's get right into it. So for today's episode, I wanted to have you on so that we could play Rob Palenka for a minute and try and figure out what the Lakers could possibly do with a mini Emily and a bunch of veteran minimums. So, before we get started on fantasy GMing the future, quick question on free agency for you. If you had to pinpoint one free agent on the market that you deem both realistic and gettable, who intrigues you the most for our dear Lakers, who would that be? You've At this point, you've studied the list enough, you've made your constructions, but if there was one guy that you're like, oh, this is the guy that I really want who seems semi-realistic, who would that be? So let me tell you, I am very excited for this episode uh, <laughs> because, I mean, we play this game just as, you know, fans in the offseason all the time, constructing your roster. And, and this time around, um, I got Chimize Metu in all of my iterations. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, interesting. Chumezi Metu, this must come from your fantasy basketball playing. Was he on your team? I picked him up here and there. He's a, you know, ad drop kind of guy. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking more like, you know, that he has, he's got that USC background, grew up in LA, Laker fan. It seems very realistic to me. Okay, I like that because he is a younger younger guy, 25 years old, 6 foot 11. You know, he showed some things with the Sacramento Kings last year. I will say there is a caveat to Chemezi Metu this season because he <laughs> yes. is uh partially guaranteed, right? So it's questionable whether I think he has had issues with playing time, right, in Sacramento. Okay, sure. Yeah. And so I think he's forcing himself out possibly and the sacramento kings also just traded for obviously demontis sabonis so it's mm-hmm. they have to work out a lot of things so you know i like chemezi metsu that's that's an interesting name that i never would have thought <laughs> you would have gone with but you've kind of buried the lead a little bit so we'll be looking forward to seeing chemezi metsu in each of your lineups moving forward so let's hop right into it at this point i mean i'll tell you my guy uh, and the fans who have been listening to us for a couple episodes already know but I'm looking at Jalen Smith um, as my one free agent guy who's like, man, if we can get that guy, that would be amazing. I just know we probably have a lot of competition for a former lotto pick, but we'll see. You know, anything can happen, as we saw with Malik Monk signing for the veteran minimum with the Lakers last year as a former lotto pick. All right, Mm -hmm. so let's get into this. Um, Let me set this up a little bit because... We obviously at this point can't predict who for sure is returning on the Lakers. Uh, And the most important part, we also don't know who's coming back in a Westbrook trade, whether a Westbrook trade happens during this offseason, if THT and Nunn are also shipped out in that deal, or if they're shipped out separately. So to make things nice and clean for this episode, I've gone ahead and just guesstimated a set roster and deemed that we will probably need to fill out about six to seven roster spots. One mini MLE spot of $6 million and, and a bunch of veteran minimum spots. So in this case, six veteran minimum spots. So given that, I'm going to assume we have the following roster spots filled. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, THT, Kendrick Nunn, who's been rumored to he's probably going to opt into his player option, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, both of whom the Lakers have uh, team options on that I think they're going to exercise. And then I also left two spots open for Westbrook trade returns. <laughs> so LeBron 80, THT none, Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Westbrook trade return number one, Westbrook trade return number two, because I think we'll at least get two players back in any Westbrook trade. Um, so this also obviously doesn't account for like if the Lakers pick a second rounder up or something, but that guy will probably be a two-way player. But regardless, it'll be 
one MLE spot, six veteran minimum spots. And so Andy and I are going to build out four fantasy GM scenarios with those roster spots. And so let's start off with the one where Monk returns. Andy, what is your most ideal scenario with Monk getting the mini MLE spot? And how would you fill out the rest of those six veteran minimums around Malik Monk? If you want to go ahead and give your roster, I'll give my roster and then we can discuss. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you mentioned before, there's a lot of caveats with the whole unrestricted, restricted options and everything. So kind of leaving that up to you to to figure that out. But just with the list of names that we have um, in front of us. So in this ideal monk scenario where he returns, I think we fill out the roster with uh, a couple guards. Austin Rivers, number one. Austin Rivers, okay. Yep. Uh, I, I like his just kind of size and, and you know, the way that he can complement um, the current guys on the team. I think it might fit. Uh, he, he's had, he has a shot now, so, you know, feeling that. Um, I think we're also going to try to pick up PJ Dozier. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, Okay, sorry. My reaction is a little bit extra there, but that's because PJ Dozier is literally on my list too. But okay, go go ahead and explain. Prior to his injury, you know, he was a guy that had a couple playoff games under his belt, and, and he had proven that he could be an effective role player. He's got good size, um, definitely does not need the ball to make an impact. Just kind of like the overall feel of him. Kind of reminds me of like a possible Darvin Ham. Um, just a the Darvin way that he Ham, might... okay. But he's a little bit more versatile offensively. Oh, like for he can sure. play make but... and stuff. And yeah. But you mean in terms of like a garbage man, like he does the yes. little things? Okay, I got gotcha. you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Josh Akogi. Oh, nice. Kind of. Mm-hmm. I like him, uh, you know, kind of filling out that three spot, big body guy, um, athletic, versatile. Jalen McDaniels also kind of fills that role. Um, I mentioned my fave guy, Matthew. He's, he's in there. So just remember that it's going to okay. be reoccurring. And then the last guy I have on, I have on my list is, uh, Moses Brown. I, I'd love nice. to see that, uh, happen kind of fill in that center spot yeah so this is andy's most ideal scenario obviously there are some players on here like josh akogi who might well actually josh akogi kogi is absolutely going to be let off of his qualifying offer i don't think i've listened to enough minnesota timberwolves podcasts it's sad that i do this i've listened to enough of their podcasts to know that they're probably not going to retain him so Kogi's very realistic moses brown i think the Cavs he could become a restricted free agent with them but if they let him loose absolutely i would love Moses Brown, and then I think Jalen McDaniels you mentioned too, right? Um, I think after listening to several Charlotte Hornets podcasts that they will also (laughs) retain him because he can be a restricted free agent. But regardless, can you rattle off that full list again one more time? Austin Rivers, PJ Dozier, Josh Akogi, Jalen McDaniels, Jamezi Metu, and Moses Brown. Plus Malik Monk getting the mini MLE. Uh, can you summarize your team in total and then tell me, like, what are the positives of that roster? And and I guess also, can you touch on, would you want Monk back at that mini MLE price if he was willing to even take it? Because he's got some people who are probably going to uh, vie for his services this offseason. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the others that are also available. You know, right. the I feel like if a um, couple of the big names rattle off, then yeah, I think Monk would be great. He had a great year with us and I'm sure, you know, he could kind of repeat some of the stuff that he did and would help us in a lot of ways. Um, we already know what he brings and, you know, just working with the core of the team, um, I think he would fit in. So, so sorry. When, so in terms of talking about your roster, when you're looking at it from afar, what, what does it bring to us here? When you're looking at it, you're like, what, is the, what are its enticing parts to you? I think 
just a mixture of playmaking, athletic ability, mm. um, general size that yes. we lacked a lot. Um, just the major issues that really stood out. I think you know from last year we we can easily address with some of these lengthier size guys. So from my end, I think there's also a lot of youth on the guys that you picked, which is always a good sign. They probably have fresh legs as well. Oh, They're going to sure. be hungry, et cetera, et cetera, playing for a player's coach in Darvin Ham. Cool. So I like that roster. You ready to hear mine? Yes. Okay. Here's my, you know, my most ideal slash also realistic um, Monk returns for the mini Emily scenario. So number one, Monk for the mini Emily. First guy on the roster here. And this is a big stretch if he's willing to do this, but this is my most ideal scenario, right? First guy here is Thaddeus Young is willing to come for the vet minimum. I don't know if he's going to do that, but if he was willing to, and you know, Darvin Ham, work your magic, you know what I mean? Like, if he's willing to do that, he would be, man, he'd be perfect because he is a do-it-all utility sort of player with size, and you saw what he did in the playoffs for the Raptors. I think he shook Joel Embiid off for like a crazy crossover and made him fall to the ground. But overall, you know, Thaddeus Young, outside of not really having a jump shot, he's Draymond Green-esque, you know? He passes the ball, he can push the ball in transition, he plays defense, always gets steals, and he's just a big, long body who can, in a pinch, even play small ball five for you. So that's why I like Thaddeus Young there. Number two, Damian Jones, you know, former Laker for a few stints, played with the Sacramento Kings, depending on what the Sacramento Kings want to do. I think just having another, you know, young athletic body, another lob threat uh, would be great. He does have familiarity with the Lakers, so Damian Jones. Um, third, and this is, this is my Chemezi Metu, Andy. Um, Danwell House. So... <laughs> okay. Daniel House to me is just the prototypical solid 3 and D. He's 6'7". He shot 41% from 3 with the Utah Jazz. I think he's a career 36% shooter from 3-point land. He's got the size. He just knows how to play that role perfectly, and he's done it on every stop he's been at, you know, like the Houston Rockets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so Daniel House has that sort of connective, like, 3 and D wing glue guy off the bench. And then here's where I put P.J. Dozier. For pretty much everything you stated, like the Lakers have familiarity with him as well because a couple years ago he was actually on their summer league team. So they actually have familiarity with him as him being part of their, you know, scouting system and whatnot. Um, but most of all, I think this is the time. The only reason why he got cut is because of the ACL injury. And by start of training camp, he should be close to returning, if not ready to return. And his, you know, six 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 seven height with that six foot eleven wingspan, the fact that he can handle the ball and play make a little, his shots not broken, but most of all, he's shown in the playoffs for a competitive team like the Denver Nuggets, he knows how to play defense. He knows how to hustle out there and crash the boards and do all of the little things. And he knows how to use his length to harass other people on the offensive end. So for me, PJ Dozier, he's only twenty five years old. That's a great like mind some upside there capitalize off of his injury that sounds like a bad phrase but you know capitalize <laughs> off the fact that he is out there you know and he hopefully he can rebound with you you know you both can benefit off of that um so yeah pj dozier and then next would be the martin twins any one of them cody cody martin <laughs> or caleb martin and this is going to be a little bit of a stretch too because i don't know if they'd go for the vet minimum and actually miami miami might let Caleb go. Um, I think Cody was a pretty important part of the Charlotte Hornets last year, but they do have a lot of decisions to kind of sort through, you know, giving Miles Bridges a max extension and all that. They don't want to go into the luxury tax. So Caleb, or sorry, Cody Martin might be a casualty of that. And, and in that case, I would love to get either Cody Martin or Caleb Martin for the Lakers because they are sort of that utility guard slash wing who can kind of do everything, right? They're not... Mm -hmm excellent at any one skill but they've shown and proven that they can hit the three they're very athletic um they can handle the ball in a pinch they can hit a pull-up mid-range jump shot etc etc so i really like them also as that sort of you know glue wing slash guard off the bench who maybe even have a little bit of upside because this past year was their first year sort of breaking out uh, for either of them and then lastly sergi baka 
I mean, just a, just a glue guy vet big who gives you the spacing element that a Damian Jones wouldn't. So uh, in total, and also he has the, you know, Darvin Ham connection because he played for the Bucks for a little bit um, last season. So in total, I have Malik Monk getting the mini Emily, Thaddeus Young, Damian Jones, Daniel House, PJ Dozier, Cody or Caleb Martin, and Serge Ibaka. So I think my team brings a pretty good mixture of youth and veteran leadership from guys like Thaddeus Young and Serge Ibaka, Danwell mm-hmm. House, but some upside with the PJ Dozier pick and the Cody or Caleb Martin pick, Damian Jones a little bit there too, and obviously Malik Monk's there. So I, I like that there's versatility there to you know, defend, there's length there, but guys who can also shoot. Any thoughts on, on my team there? No, I like it. Um obviously you know we we didn't discuss this beforehand but the pj dozier thing that that's just you know upside all the way and and Mm -hmm. it makes sense you know if we want to get younger um the only thing i would say with your roster maybe a little too old for my liking it you have right. three, like three guys over thirty. I think I only have one in Austin. Okay, but you know, I mean, the rest of our roster, I guess, kind of evens out. But yeah, let, let's go on the scenario too. Sure, sure. And then I'll, I'll add some caveats here. And so, if like, let's say Thaddeus Young can't be had, mm-hmm. then I would go for a guy like Utah Watanabe or Isaiah Roby. Okay. So there, so there's my flip of like, okay, if Thaddeus Young doesn't take the vet minimum, then I would swing for the upside picks because Utah Watanabe and Isaiah Roby are two forwards who can also sort of do a lot of little things, right, yeah. and be role players. And having listened to a number of Oklahoma City Thunder podcasts and Toronto <laughs> Raptors podcasts, those are also two forwards who could be odd men out from their mm. rosters. So keep a lookout because... I really like those upside plays as well. And Utah Watanabe this past season for the Raptors, it's not that he wasn't a good player. It was just the minutes and roster crunch because the Raptors have 10 different 6'9 dudes, you know? So I would definitely scoop in on Utah if he were uh, made available and Isaiah Roby for all the same reasons. So that is our most ideal, personal, personal most ideal um, scenario where Malik Monk returns for the mini MLE. Let's move on to... Our most ideal scenario where Malik Monk doesn't return from the mini Emily. So Andy, why don't you take me through your Emily selection and then your vet minimums after that, if they are any different from what you listed in the previous iteration. Yeah, I think this one is my the one I'm most excited about. You know, you asked okay. the question earlier, does Monk kind of fit the ideal role of coming back? And, and I said, well, it depends on who's available. So if... Nurkic is available. <laughs> I am jumping on that train. Uh, you know, Portland had a disaster of a season. They might or might, may or may not be in rebuild mode. We'll see. If there's a fire sale, he's out. Um, you know, who, who knows? He might be available. If, if not, Mitchell Robinson. I mean, obviously, it's okay. a very long <laughs> stretch that he's available. Okay. But off the names... If that's something that can happen, let's make it happen. Um, so I would put the emphasis on that big, basically. On the big. On the okay, big. so let's say Yusuf Nurkic and Mitchell Robinson can't be had because the mini MLE right now is $6 million. Do you have a third option that may be more? Okay, I'll settle for this. After that, then you're kind of, again, emphasis on that five spot. I love Mo Bamba as like okay. a just a gamble. <laughs> um, obviously, he's super injury prone, and that's something we really want to stay away from. Uh, but just you know, if we want to take a shot out of the dark, he would be the guy to do so. Okay, so I get the idea of your mini Emily spot, like one of the bigs. Okay, yes. and then your veteran minimums go. Not much has changed, but because. You know, my emphasis was on the big. Probably take out Moses Brown in that kind of scenario for my first one. And throw in someone like an Aaron Holiday who can kind of mm, just okay. complement the others, can play either the one or two, maybe even three. Um, and, you know, yeah, just really fill out that roster. So can you go through your... Ins- so everybody else stays the same? Do you want to go through your list one more time then? 
for the non the one where monk doesn't return it would be that mini emily goes to nurkic mitchell robinson or a mo bamba and then from there we go austin rivers aaron holiday pg dozier josh akogi Jalen mcdaniels and then my man metu there you go your man, <laughs> all right i like it uh so for me actually the the line of thinking is very similar to you for my mini mle guy it will be jalen smith pretty much for all the reasons you stated but I think he could actually be more realistically had than uh, Mitchell Robinson or Yusuf <laughs> Nurkic. Sure. And yeah. Jalen Smith, you know, he showed flashes with the Indiana Pacers in limited minutes, showing that he could knock down the three-point shot. I think he shot like 37%. Even when he was with the Phoenix Suns during a December stint, he had like 19 points, 14 rebounds, 19 points, 13 rebounds, and actually showed some flashes. It's just the fact that he plays behind DeAndre Ayton, you know, and the only time he can ever showcase his skills is if there's COVID protocols. So um, (laughs) there's Jalen Smith, because I like his upside. The dude's only 22 years old. So, I mean, if you're talking about like a Malik Monk redux yeah. uh, and a change of scenery for a guy who just needs a change of scenery. I think Jalen Smith is that dude. So yeah, Jalen Smith for the MLE. And then I'd go Eric Bledsoe if and when he's bought out. Uh, the Darvin Ham connection there is goes without stating, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think the best part about Eric Bledsoe is as a starter, I think he's pretty washed up, right? You're giving him 30 minutes, he's washed up, his like prime days are over. But with the Clippers, it seems like, and with the New Orleans Pelicans too for a little bit, it seems like he's accepted a, a bench role and understands he's a role player, right? So that type of Eric Bledsoe I think I'm down for because he's still a very scrappy guard who knows how to get after it on defense. And now that he knows he's only going to be playing limited time, I think you can get the best out of Bledsoe in that time span and also still mine his you know athleticism even though he's older now and even some of his playmaking skills so there's eric bledsoe Mm -hmm. um and then daniel house uh, a staple of mine Mm -hmm. for all the reasons i previously stated pj dozier for everything i stated previously sergi baka for everything i've I've stated previously um and also the darvin ham connection and then here's another darvin ham connection you brought up aaron holiday i'm gonna bring up Bryn Forbes, because we need some shooting, Andy, uh, especially yeah. if we're going to use our mini MLE on a big. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, great. They can kind of space, but that's not prime shooting. That's not prime optimal shooting, and we need one of those guys. And Bryn Forbes is that guy, my friend. He is perennial, like 41% career three-point shooter. He's actually only 28. Now, look, does he kind of remind you of Quinn Cook? A little bit, but I think he's shown a little bit more than than Quinn Cook. You know, he's he's kind of more... Quinn Cook morphing into Patty Mills a little bit, right? <laughs> so I like Bryn Forbes as that shooter who can also handle the ball for you in a pinch off the bench. And then my last guy would be one of the Martin twins. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also put alts for this one. So if, we're, if we can't get the Martin twins, I'd also like a shot at uh, Troy Brown Jr. So this is where I get into the Troy Brown Jr., Josh Akogi, take a shot on a former first-round pick who's on the outs with their team and see if you can still mind their upside and their length and their tools because there was a reason why they were former you know first round picks or former lotto picks and so i think troy brown jr is that sort of josh akogi gamble because he can do a little bit of everything right he's six foot six with like a seven foot wingspan he can pass the ball he can push it in transition he he has defensive potential if he locks down on that end his shot is a little bit wonky but it's better than josh akogi's right although i really (laughs) like josh akogi and so, yeah, for my last spot, I'd have it as the Martin Twins slash Troy Brown Jr. slash Andy. I don't know if you know much about this guy, but Abdel Nader is a guy that can absolutely be had. And he's actually shown that he's like a solid, solid wing guy. Yeah. I would almost describe him as, this sounds insane, but the way if you watch him play, he kind of moves like Malcolm Brogdon. I know that's insane, but he... He does have a control and a composure on the court that's very like Malcolm Brogdon-esque or like Larry Nance Jr.-esque. And then all of a sudden, he'll knife into the lane and dunk really hard and yam it on you. So 
I like Abdel Nader, and he's also proven he can shoot. I think he has had like a 40% three-point shooting season with either the Suns or the Oklahoma City Thunder. So what are your thoughts on Jalen Smith, Eric Bledsoe, Daniel House, P.J. Dozier, Bryn Forbes, Serge Ibaka, and to switch it up, I'll just say Abdel Nader. Yeah, I like the Nader addition to your roster. Uh, I would totally buy into that. I feel like he's a perfect um, kind of Swiss Army knife guy that that would fit well. Um, I understand your pick for Bryn Forbes, but I feel like it's a curse with the Lakers, right? Every time you come <laughs> over here, you're a three-point specialist. Your shot just goes away. So I hesitate to, to bring in someone like that. But, you know, if he can maintain that 40% plus percentage from three, bring it in. You know, I'd, I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, the rest of your name's solid. I, I love, I love Jalen Green, uh, Jalen as well, Jalen Smith. Um, but yeah, if we had PJ Dozier, let's do it. Let's, let's go get him. <laughs> PJ Dozier, let's do it. Okay, before we take it to break, my one question for you is, so we both ended up going for a big man right? For mm-hmm. our mini MLE. I know my reasons for not going after a wing in this spot, but I want to ask you, why wouldn't you use your mini MLE on one of the wings out there, given that's such a position of need for the Lakers? And we saw how troubling it was that after LeBron, our next best guy was like Trevor, like 37-year-old Trevor Ariza. So why didn't you go for like an Otto Porter Jr. or a Torian Prince or a Derek Jones for the mini MLE spot? Is it just because those are not inspiring enough names for you or what was it? Somewhat. I think it's it's more of there are so many out there that can do similar things. I think the more impactful names, just from a team standpoint, not really considering how we performed last year. Because again, we have a new coach. We're going to have a new system. Everything's going to be a little different. Just from an impact player standpoint, a lot of that, those fives can make a difference, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's my same reasoning. And I obviously would, if you have a shot at Mitchell Robinson or you Nurkic <laughs> over Otto Porter Jr., you do it, right? And honestly, even Mo Bamba, because of the youth, for me, the reason why I picked Jalen Smith over a guy like Otto Porter Jr. is because while I obviously wouldn't mind Otto and he had a pretty good season with the Warriors, he's shown time and again, even with the Warriors, that he's injury prone, he's iffy, you're not sure how much you can rely on, on him. And I don't think he played a back-to-back for the Warriors all season long either. So that's something to keep in mind with Otto. Again, I wouldn't mind him for this spot. It's just sort of uninspiring if you can sort of bank on some more youth and upside, right? Again, with Auto 2, there's no long-term benefit to having him. You just sign him for this one year, maybe the next year, and then he's done. Right. You know, if he can last for a full season for you. And then while I'd also like Derek Jones and Jr. in this spot, I'd almost hope that he'd take the veteran minimum and you can just get that guy off your bench, you know? So I would reserve the mini Emily for someone with a little bit more substance. And while we know that AD's best natural position is at the five in closing minutes or whatever, you do still need to get through 82 games. And Darvin Ham's history as a coach is putting a big next to Giannis, right? I mean, Brooke Lopez is there or Bobby Portis is there. Um, so, you know, Jalen Smith could be Bobby Portis 2.0, maybe, if he ever gets that good at shooting. So those are my reasonings for not going after, like, a wing. But yeah. with that said, let's take it to break. And when we return, we will close it out with our two other roster builds, which will be the most boring, realistic roster you think you can build and the most Lakeriest roster. So stay tuned for that. Hey guys, welcome again to another edition of Halftime Lakers Fantasy GM Corner with yours truly, Jonathan Hernandez, where I will take a look at one of our listeners' submissions of their perfect offseason for the Lakers, and I'll give my thoughts and assessments on that listener's moves. Again, if you'd like to join in on the fun and have us give our two cents on your Fantasy GM roster build for the Lakers, then please send us your seven-man roster build via a five-star Apple rating and review on the Apple Podcast app and give us your most ideal TPMLE signing and six veteran minimum signings as well. If you have any trades to add, you can include those too, but to simplify things, if you just want to give us seven free agent signings, one MLE signing, and six veteran minimum signings, that should work as well. So for today's review and fantasy roster build, we have a submission from tpizzle20. Five stars. He writes, 
Really fun and informative work on the Lakers. Love your painfully ridiculous puns. Ha ha. Thank you. No, thank you, T-Pizzle. Glad you like the pain these puns be bringing you. All right. As far as T-Pizzle's offseason Lakers moves, he has the Lakers, first off, um, buying the Hawks' second-round pick. Second off, he has the Lakers trading Russell Westbrook in a 2027 first for Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre. Third, he has another trade. He has THT Kendrick Nunn and a 2029 first-round pick going to Orlando for Jonathan Isaac. He says, might have to add Marcus Gasol's trade exception and or Wenyan Gabriel for salary filler. Next, as it pertains to the free agent signings, he has the Lakers using their TPMLE on Gary Payton II, and he has the Lakers signing the following veteran minimums. Carmelo Anthony, Damian Jones, Dwight Howard, and Wesley Johnson? Okay, that has to be a typo. Um, but yeah, that's what it says here. Veteran minimum signings are Wesley Johnson, Carmelo Anthony, Damian Jones, and Dwight Howard. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so overall, for the starting five, he has GP2 starting, Kelly Oubre starting, LeBron, Jonathan Isaac, AD. The bench has Austin Reeves, Gordon Hayward, Stanley Johnson, Damian Jones, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, the Hawks second round pick, and for some reason, Wesley Johnson. Okay, so let me talk about each move. Um, as it pertains to the Lakers buying the Hawks' second-round pick, yeah, I could absolutely see that. I could absolutely see them getting any other team's second-round pick. I could see them getting two second-round picks. So I'm obviously very down with that move. I think the Hawks either have the 44th pick or the 46th pick. I forget. But yeah, totally down with the Lakers buying a second-round pick. Now, as for the Russell Westbrook trade for Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre. So I like this move, and, you know, the the... Recent rumors about the Charlotte Hornets being amenable to a Russell Westbrook trade have popped up. I actually don't think we have to give up a 2027 first to do this, because in this circumstance, we are actually doing the heavy lifting for Charlotte, who has to shoulder a hefty luxury tax bill after re-signing Miles Bridges to a near-max extension. So we're taking, we're helping take Hayward and Ubre off their books for 2023, but also giving them savings this year with whatever money Westbrook agrees to leave behind in a buyout. So I like the move for the players because we get two serviceable wings in Hayward and Ubre if they're healthy. And when healthy, Hayward is the exact sort of wing prototype you want around AD and LeBron. He's like a taller Austin Reeves. Um, and then Ubre is sort of a boomer bust wing with length that you can deploy off your bench. Um, and yeah, I would actually start Hayward over Ubre because of the more reliable shooting and ball handling that Gordon Hayward provides. And Ubre is used to coming off the bench because that's exactly what he did with uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So yeah, no need to throw in a first here. Otherwise, I like the players we get back. So that's the only thing I'd revise out of your trade. Russ for Gordon Hayward and Kelly Ubre. Now for your third move. The second trade that involves THT Nunn and a 2029 first for Jonathan Isaac. You mentioned that maybe we'd have to add Wenyan Gabriel and Gasol's TPE as filler. Just to address that first, um, you can't aggregate TPEs into larger deals. So you, that's not necessary and also it's not allowed. So we won't have to add Wenyan Gabriel. We won't have to add Marc Gasol. THT and Nunn's salary should get it done since Isaac only makes $17 million a year. And THT and Nunn combined is about $15 million. Um, so I like this deal, if the Magic will do this. I don't know if I'd throw in the first, because there are a lot of questions and weird, quirky things surrounding Jonathan Isaac, even just outside of his health. But I do think this is a gamble worth taking. And since we're taking back a first, since we're taking off that first round pick that uh, you have going to the Charlotte Hornets in the Russ Hayward trade, I may be more amenable to throwing one in for a gamble like Jonathan Isaac, because... On paper, Isaac, with his length, his shot-blocking ability, his insane perimeter defense, and also his ability to space the floor, that's the perfect type of wing-slash-tweener that we could use next to AD to help uphold the perimeter and also play some stellar help defense as well because that's what Isaac can do with that insane block percentage that he has. Jonathan Isaac's contract extends to 2024-25 at around $7 million each year, but his contract each year is also highly dependent on the number of games he plays, so it's only partially guaranteed season by season. Regardless, he's still only 25 years old. Um, if he has his head on straight, I think this is, a ty- this, this is the type of gamble that I would take. Um, we haven't seen him play since the bubble, so that's concerning. Um, I will say the price of giving up THT none and a first that far out is pretty steep. 
with Westbrook out the door, we're potentially opening up new problems for our roster. Shipping out that much point guard slash primary initiating play with none in THT. So that's, those would be my main concerns with this move. But in a vacuum, I like taking a gamble on a guy with high upside in Jonathan Isaac. So I'm down with that trade. Now, as far as T-Pizzle's free agency signings for the mini MLE, Gary Payton II. Yeah, you know, I'm totally down with GP2 for that, uh, for the mini MLE. I will say if DeLon Wright or Oladipo were available for this price, I'd rather prefer them because they bring the defense, but also more of the offensive versatility that GP2 doesn't. And with Westbrook, Nunn, and THT all gone in your scenario, I think we need another backup ball handler. And Wright and Oladipo have more ball handling skills than GP2. But overall, I have no real gripes with GP2, so that's a solid signing. For the veteran minimums, you've got re-signing Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard. Um, I'm okay with that. I like re-signing Carmelo Anthony for the spacing he provides. Dwight Howard obviously has history with Darvin Ham from back when he was with the Lakers in 2013, but also he has experience with Darvin Ham when he was an Atlanta Hawk. I'm okay with that. I would hope to get some younger players instead, but you do also have the Lakers signing Damian Jones, so that's a good backup insurance to Dwight Howard if he can't hold up, and Damian Jones obviously is that vertical threat that infuses this team with some length, some length, some youth, and some athleticism. So I like the Damian Jones signing. Now you also have Wesley Johnson here. Former Laker Wesley Johnson, who's 34 years old and has been out of the league for like five years. I <laughs> I feel like this is a typo. I think you meant to say Wesley Matthews. Um, so if you, may, if you mean Wesley Matthews, then absolutely I would love Mes- Wesley Matthews because uh, he has familiarity with the organization and he has familiarity playing for Darvin Ham. And Darvin Ham has been known to utilize Wesley Matthews in the proper way on defense, and he seemed rejuvenated last season. So so if this is Wesley Matthews, I am down. But yeah, I think when it comes to the free agency signings for these vet men signings, I, I think I, would, I personally would get a little bit more money ball creative and try to get more youth, more defense, and, and more wings and length. Um, I think the biggest thing your roster is missing right now is, again, additional youth, and some primary creation and ball handling skills. We need to get a more legitimate point guard in there. So, you know, maybe a guy like Eric Ble- so maybe a guy like Eric Bledsoe, if he gets bought out, he could, he could fit with this roster. So I would sign him. But yeah, I would, I would add guys like Yuta Watanabe, maybe a Bryn Forbes for more three-point shooting and ball handling, a Josh Akogi or a Troy Brown Jr. PJ Dozier, of course, is a can't-fail sort of signing with upside and youth. Try and fit in Derek Jones Jr. and Torian Prince in there if you can get him. I, 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 I like those signings instead of, you know, maybe a Dwight Howard or even a Carmelo Anthony. Um, instead of Dwight, I'd maybe even try Robin Lopez or DeMarcus Cousins, who um, Darvin Ham also has experience with. I mean, Darvin Ham used Robin Lopez on the Bucks in their four-out, one-in offense, but also on the, in their defensive scheme as well. So I would lean towards Robin Lopez or DeMarcus Cousins if they'll take the veteran minimum. Um But other than that, I like the overall concept of your roster build, of getting longer, wingier, and more defensive with the trades for Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre, and Jonathan Isaac. Um, I would just be a little bit more creative with the veteran minimum signings, and I'm just really hoping that that's Wesley Matthews and not Wesley Johnson. But regardless, thanks for submitting T-Pizzle 20. Again, if you guys would like to shoot us your perfect offseason for the Lakers, send us your seven-man roster build with your seven free agent signings, one MLE signing, and six veteran minimum signings via a five-star Apple Podcast rating and review. And with that said, back to our regularly scheduled programming where Andy and I will continue to fantasy GM build out our summer rosters for the Lakers. All right, so we are back. Andy... Tell me, I asked you, these are, these are the funny categories, but I asked you to try and come up with the most boring, most realistic roster that you think that you can build that you would actually deem sort of acceptable. That you're like, I can see this happening. I wouldn't be thrilled about it, but it's like, all right, I can kind of squint and, and make this work. So how does your roster, your most boring, most realistic roster look like? Okay, <laughs> so... I mean, obviously, this one is a bit odd, but um, I would start my MLE with a Nick Batum. He's an old okay. guy. 
um, obviously very, very, very late in his career. Um, but we've seen that he definitely can do good things on a, on a team that has good players already on there. So, um, vet, veteran guy obviously can bring a lot to the, to the locker room. I feel like it would kind of almost be a waste of an MLE, but hey, maybe we do that. Maybe we just you know, throw it away. So starting with Batu. Um, and then not so much in the boring category, but more so, oh, hey, it's another old guy with a name, Ricky Rubio. Um, okay. He's, you know, obviously made his, his rounds around the league, several different teams. He's got a lot better shot than when, you know, three point shot than when he first came in the league. And that's always something that we're looking for. Um, takes the ball out of LeBron's hands, kind of that traditional point guard. Um, and then I got <laughs> Lou Will. <laughs> Another Lou Will. Oh man, this is the one you deem acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another old guy who addresses the scoring need. You know, the guy who can create a shot, kind of like a mellow, you know, mm-hmm. um, without requiring anyone's help. Um, and then to be redundant, I got mellow on this team. Okay. <laughs> Just because, you know, why not? He had his best, um, or one of his better in more recent years, um, years with us last year and, and definitely sold tickets sold jerseys for us and so he was a fan favorite um fourth on the list or i guess fifth rodney hood again someone kind of coming off you know a, a, a long-term injury who's kind of a, a gritty guy who can play got some size to him but you know in his portland days he can He's proven that he can shoot. Um, and then now, more acceptable, Damian Jones, a familiar face that you mentioned before. Um, and then just because he's my guy, I got Shemezi Metu. Shemezi Metu, because you need some youth there <laughs> yes. in a team or bench full of like rotting old guys again. <laughs> yes. um, so do you have an alt for Nick Batum if, let's say, the Clippers retain him? Because I think that's possible. Who would be another boring guy outside of Nick Batum? You know, I feel like DeLon Wright was someone that kind of caught my eye, but he would be not boring enough (laughs) to really fit this. I think that's still, you know, that's not like... He's on the older side, but, you know, uh, he's... I feel like his defensive skills could really help, uh, help our team. So I'll throw him in there. I like DeLon Wright a lot, actually. If he, if he's willing to take the mini MLE, I'd do that for sure. I think right now people are thinking he might get the full $10 million MLE, so we'll see. But yeah, that's a boring one that I'm actually like, I'll definitely get behind DeLon Wright. Um, okay, here's mine. MLE number one uh, for this boring section, boring slash realistic section would be Torian Prince because uh, I don't think you can get any more vanilla than Torian <laughs> Prince. I mean... You've seen iterations of this guy in NBA history. You you've may have known him before as Damari Carroll. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's like the poor man's Jay Crowder, et cetera, et cetera. So Torian Prince, I, he's boring, but I actually think he could help this team. You know, He's a really good shooter, uh, did well in limited minutes for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's only 28, I think, and he was a former number 12 lotto pick. He does have good size with a seven-foot wingspan. I think he's like six foot seven, six foot eight. Had a couple games with the Minnesota Timberwolves where he had like six of eight from three-point land, five of six from three-point land, so he can definitely shoot it. Um, so yeah, I like Torian Prince for the mini MLE there. And then Dan House, he's very boring, standard. And this is where I actually put Austin Rivers, because to me it's like, you know Austin Rivers. Mm-hmm. He bounces around, does his thing. He's kind of <laughs> gritty, hustle dude, can also shoot. We'll try and take over here and there. We'll have a big game once every six games. You know, like, there's Austin Rivers, right? And then Abdul Nader, because he's actually a creative name, but his play style is boring. (laughs) And actually, his role-playing type is sort of, hey, I just do what I'm asked to do, and there you go. I'm the perfect prototypical role-player. 
and he's boring because of that, but I'd actually really like him. And then Thomas Bryant. Boring in the sense that, like, he's played for the Lakers before, they kind of know him, and he's coming off of, you know, a season where he was just rebounding from ACL surgery and, you know, couldn't really find a footing, but he may be able to with the Lakers again. He's still only 24, 25, I think, so he's still young. Um, So there's like a semi-boring, unexciting name that, you know, Lakers fans know that I think could bring some life if he's able to get past his injury and get some of his, uh, get some of his athleticism back. So Thomas Bryant. And then I think this is actually one of the most boring names I could think of, but kind of in the same vein as Rodney, Rodney Hood, but Rodney Magruder. I mean, (laughs) like this, this guy just seems like a Laker to me, like. Okay, he, his profile is he should be able to shoot, right? He should be able to sort of defend. Is he going to knock it out of the park for you? Probably not. Will his three-point percentage go down with you? Yes. You saw it with Reggie Bullock and every Wesley Matthews, Danny Green, and every supposed three-point shooter that came on to the Lakers, as you mentioned. So Rodney Magruder, I feel like, is a guy who fits that boring and realistic bill. And then... Robin Lopez, mm. because he's Robin Lopez. You know him <laughs> as Brooke Lopez's brother, um, but it's not like he's totally washed, right? He's still a seven-footer. He can still do some things. In fact, the last year, you could probably say he's pretty fresh because he didn't play that much with uh, the Orlando Magic, right? So in terms of the new Dwight Howard on this team, I mean, that's Robin Lopez, and he can probably space the floor better than Dwight, although... Dwight, I think, shot the best three-point percentage for the Lakers this past season, hitting eight threes. But, um, yeah, Torian Prince, Daniel House, Austin Rivers, Thomas Bryant, Abdel Nader, Rodney Magruder, Robin Lopez. I, I don't know. I think my team would blow yours out of the water because you <laughs> decided to choose a bunch of, like, 35-year-olds. But what are your thoughts on, on that group? I would, Yeah, I actually like your team. I, I like Thomas <laughs> I like Thomas Bryant. Um yeah, I would I would take the majority of the guys, maybe aside from Magruder's definition of boring. <laughs> um, that was the assignment, though. Yeah, that that's true. I think I misread the assignment, but yeah, I would I would um, I would definitely take your team. Cool. So let's move on to the last category. And you know, when I made these two categories, they kind of melded into one another somewhat. Because when I was doing the boring one, I was like, well kind of sounds like the Lakers one, or the Lakers one also sounds kind of like the, the boring one, but who is your most Lakeriest roster? And by this, I mean, based off of Palinka's history of always going for the big names, mm-hmm. and here's the veteran dude, and he has a resume, like, what would the Lakers do? Now, we hope that they've learned somewhat, you know, in recent history. Right. And we do have history of what they typically do with their MLE um, in the last, you know, two or three years. But yeah, with all that exposition out of the way what's your most lakeriest roster here yeah so we're gonna assume palinka remains palinka and he hasn't really changed so sure mle goes to mini mle goes to danilo gominari i mean this guy (laughs) has been around forever um obviously a name that we all know he can score very well still. I feel like he can, you know, make his shot. Someone that we probably would have loved to have five to ten years ago, but now, kind of after the fact, if we see him on our team, we're kind of like, oh, God, okay, I see how it is. <laughs> um, that's, I think, a, a, a prototypical Palinka move. And sorry, Gallinari, I should say, after he gets bought out. Because he does have a partially guaranteed, like $5 million guaranteed of a $20 million contract, which the Hawks will almost assuredly either waive or trade him to another team who will then waive him. Because the only reason why you're trading for that contract is to save $15 million. (laughs) So we would then recoup some of that money for Danilo by giving him $6 million on top of it, is what you're saying. (laughs) Basically. Um, Okay, I mean, I, I can get behind that, and I actually don't think that would be total, totally disastrous if he can hold up, because he is a spacing four, but it's kind of like, didn't Melo just do this for you last year, kind of? Exactly. But I, I could see it. So, Danilo for your MLE, and then who who are your vet mids? Um, I got more splashy names on the way. Um, some of them we've been hearing for quite a while now. John Wall. 
Um, mm. He's someone like just your expression there.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's kind of not much to be said there. A name I already mentioned, Ricky Rubio. Kind of that、oh, God, same this, this, generation this, 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 of Danilio. <laughs> yes, I feel like we overcompensate for a lot of things, and this is another situation where we do so.、Um, a Hassan Whiteside, another name that, like, hey, this kind of works, but man, if it was five years ago, but a lot better.、Um, yeah. I say again, we bring back Melo because. He sold tickets, fan favorite,、um, and then I'm gonna give、um, Palinka a little bit of credit and say we still get PJ Dozier in this one. There you go. There's the <laughs> yes, young guy. Yes, there you go. And then of course my guy Metu, another young. Chimetsu Metu. Those are the two young guys. <laughs>、yes. I think yeah, Palinka always has at least like one young flyer in there to throw in. So we're not totally depreciating. So read that again to me in in one fell swoop. Gallinari, Wall, Rubio, Whiteside, Mello, Dozier, Metu. Okay. Did you did you throw up in your mouth a little bit? Okay. Kind I think I do. I obviously like the、uh, the PJ Dozier Metu side of things a lot more. Hassan Whiteside I can get behind if he's not the only big you're relying on, obviously. But as as is the case with the Lakers, like. They tend to put too much weight and burden on their vet minimums because they end up getting injured or something weird happens, et cetera, et cetera.、Um, here's mine. So it's a, it's going to surprise you a little bit because I went with a, a flashier name at MLE at first, but then I actually looked at Palinka's history with the MLE, and as far as it pertains to his tenure with the Lakers, he has actually reserved the MLE for a young guy.、Hmm. So. Quick history: He used the MLE, the full MLE, on Montrez Harrell, coming off of a Six Man of the Year award two years ago, right? And that was a surprise. But you're like, okay, he's still young. He's on the you know upside of his career.、Um, I like it, kind of. Or you could understand that gamble at the very least, even though schematically it kind of didn't make sense because he wasn't a spacing big, right? right. So Montrez Harrell. And then last year, obviously, we used the mini MLE on. Kendrick Nunn.、Mm-hmm. Okay, hey, he was in the finals. He showed some things with the Miami Heat, and I think was like a rookie of the year runner-up. You know, his first year kind of broke out in that way, and he's got upside.、Uh, he's only 26. I understand that he didn't end up playing a single game for the Lakers in the regular season, but you you understood that gamble at the time. So for me, when I approached this mini MLE thing, I was like, oh, I think Palinka is still going to do what he usually does, which I actually agree with. Where use your one spending tool. On someone who's shown some things in the past, but is young, and you can bank off of, right? So this is where I have Jalen Smith, because I think that's the guy Plinka would look at and say, "Okay, he's shown flashes here. He's young enough. Let's take a gamble on him." And my alt for this would be Mo Bamba, because that's more of the Plinka pick, because Mo Bamba's at least shown more than Jalen Smith, right? So if he had a shot at Mo Bamba, I think. Palinka would be, I think he'd veer more towards the Bamba side of things than Jalen Smith, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, because Bamba had the better year. He had the breakout year with the Orlando Magic this year, hitting a career high three point percentage, hitting more threes, getting more minutes, etc.、Um, so, Jalen Smith slash Mo Bamba would be my picks here. My biggest fear, Andy, though, is Palinka doesn't do what he's been doing and goes for a guy like Oladipo.、Hmm. Now Oladipo kind of straddles the line a little bit, but he is 30 years old now, so he's not young anymore. And outside of not having the upside that he once had, he is an injury-prone player trying to shed that label.、Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily think that would be the smartest move, even though we did see him in the playoffs sort of recoup some value and show, hey. I can still take over games here and there, and I can play defense. You know, they really relied on him for his defense. For me, he'd be more of the veteran minimum guy if you can get him, but I don't think I think he's raised his value enough to command like a mini Emily from another team. I just don't think that team should be the Lakers, but you could absolutely <laughs> see Palinka going for Oladipo. Definitely, yeah. Because Gallinari, I think, is way too old. He would not spend the six million on Gallinari, but Oladipo, you could see him, his mind kind of turning and being like, ah,、oh, that's kind of big name, but. He's not. He's thirty, but that's still kind of young-ish. And、yeah. so, worst fear is it's Oladipo. 
my ideal is Jalen Smith here. And there's kind of precedent for that, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say Jalen Smith for now, okay. just to go the end on a happy note. <laughs> Jalen Smith for the mini MLE. And I, this is not a knock on Oladipo. You guys know what I'm saying. Jalen Smith MLE. Hassan Whiteside's on here too. <laughs> for everything that you mentioned, it's a prototypical Palinka pick, uh, an established big man with a resume. And granted, Hassan Whiteside actually played well for the Jazz last year. You know, yeah. he's still doing his thing, getting blocks and using his length to harass people, et cetera, et cetera. You never want them out. You never want him out there in crunch time. He's slow as hell, but he'll do the job in protecting the rim for you. Hassan Whiteside. Then I've got my staples of Daniel House. <laughs> <laughs> And Sergi Baca, those sound like Rob Palinka names to you, right? Yep. I mean, they're veterans, they have their resumes, but they can also, if they're healthy in the perfect situations, actually play a role, yeah. right? Here's my Palinkiest, Palinkiest pick of all, Palinkiest pick of all, Jeremy Lamb. Okay. And I say Jeremy Lamb because I feel like the Lakers have been linked to Lamb like every single season. And now we finally have a shot of getting this guy. And I feel like this is Palinka's new Kent Bazemore, right? And I, sadly, I think he's going to play like Kent Bazemore when he gets on this team. But there's Jeremy Lamb, and Palinka's going to convince himself that this is the wing that answers our problems, right? Could you see that? Because I, I could. <laughs> uh, so there's Jeremy Lamb. And then you said John Wall. I'll say Eric Bledsoe. Because he is a clutch client as well. He's likely going to get waived or bought out by the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Bledsoe. And then Bryn Forbes, who I've used before, but he seems like the you know prototypical youngish veteran who's done stuff in the league that can just fill a role for you. So there's yeah. my team. Jalen Smith for the mini MLE, Jeremy Lamb, Sergi Baca, Daniel House, Hassan Whiteside, Eric Bledsoe, and Bryn Forbes. What are your thoughts on uh, that most Lakerious roster? It makes sense. I think all the reasons that you put for each player, I could see Palinka making that same rationale <laughs> in kind of describing why he did it. But yeah, I, I would love to see um, Jalen. I think in that scenario, though, Oladipo probably <laughs> would be the more Palinka y <laughs> pick. Yeah. Um, but hey, like you said, it's not a knock on Oladipo. It might actually work. Um, so yeah, I, I could see that happening. And if it does, if those players that you mentioned on that last team happens, I think I'd actually be okay with it. Yeah, I mean, it has size. It has veterans who've done stuff, some youth. I would hope that P.J. Dozier is a staple, though, of all those things. And, you know, it is a risk to be banking on someone who's just coming off of an ACL injury, but he is young enough. Guys like Zach Levine, even though he's undergoing some, you know, repair maintenance on his knee, they've shown that you can recover from an ACL injury fairly well these days. Another guy that I thought of that might be part of like this bench group that's a veteran minimum dude that Palinka might give a shot to would be like Trail Isles because yes. he is kind of young, but he is like sort of like boring young, yeah. you know? He was going to be my on my boring list, but I, was, I just didn't <laughs> want it to happen, so I didn't put him on my list. Hey man, Trey Lyle shot 36% from three in very limited games with Sacramento and also had a 28.8 rebound, two assist, four block game with Detroit. But yeah, Trey Lyles is, uh, you know, a failed sort of first round pick who, you know, at this point you just hope you can kind of turn into Markeith Morris, but I don't think he's good at defense. So, you know, it's, yeah. But okay, one last thing I want to add though. And I didn't put him here just because I don't think he's likely to be let out of his team. But I think actually the most polinkiest big for the mini MLE would be Chris Boucher. Mm. If Chris Boucher were let loose from the Toronto Raptors. Because one, Polinka did have discussions with the Raptors during the trade deadline for Chris Boucher reportedly. And THT was involved there, some random three-team trade, whatever. But if if he were given the option of Jalen Smith, Mo Bamba, or Chris Boucher, I think he would pick... Chris Boucher. And even though Chris Boucher is the oldest out of those three, he's also, I think, maybe the more established guy who's shown some stuff in competitive situations, right? So I think Palenka would sort of straddle the line there between, hey, let me get in on this guy who's doesn't have that much NBA mileage on himself. It's pretty athletic, can block shots, can hit threes, um, but has at least shown that he can play a role on playoff teams like the Raptors. So what are your thoughts on Chris Boucher? Honestly, I like him, 
but not for our team. If you put him and AD next to each other, it's just... <laughs> Do you think he's too frail? Oh, for sure. Thin? Yeah, it's not gonna... I don't think it would... They would complement each other very well. I think it's more like a you sub one in, sub one out type of deal. Um, Wait, you don't think his spacing would help AD? Spacing, maybe, but they're gonna fight to play the four. <laughs> Between oh, the I see two. what you're saying. I don't think either of them want to be hit, and that's not the Darvin Ham team that we need to be putting out there. True. Yeah, that th- those are fair points. I'd say I would, if I was Darvin Ham, I would try and make Chris Boucher Bobby Portis because I, although Bobby Portis is beefier for sure, I get that. Um, or if Chris Boucher was on our team, you'd morph him into, hey, be the shot-blocking version of Markeith Morris, but also gain some weight, will you? Um, but yeah. Um, Andy, thank you for joining me. That is our, uh, those are our four fantasy GM rosters, the one with Malik Monk, the one without Malik Monk, the boring, realistic one, and the Lakeriest roster. How was that exercise for you? Was it fun? It was fun. <laughs> I mean, if we had played this with bigger names it'd be even funner but this is more realistic so i enjoyed <laughs> this is it more realistic yeah and the lakers have veteran minimum so we'll see what they do if we can hit on let's see if we can get two names out of the out of this entire exercise that the lakers actually sign i will consider that an accomplishment because usually we're getting zero and <laughs> no, this ends up these exercises end up becoming very futile and it honestly you know even with our best research and whatnot it probably is going to be futile because again a lot rests on Russell Westbrook, a Russell Westbrook trade, what we do with the other guys on this roster, and then everything sort of waterfalls from there. But hey, PJ Dozier is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's go. Let's get PJ Dozier. You can get him for the veteran minimum for sure. No holds barred. There's not going to be any restrictions there. Just call him up and he'll sign. You know what I mean? So uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Free agency is right around the corner. And Andy, thank you for joining me, and I will catch you next time. Thank you. Peace. Thank you.